Oh, yeah, it's a TGIF edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris and Mark Vandermeer on this Friday. Mark, it is good to be back together. I just have to go ahead and say it. How are you, my man? Uh, doing great, Johnny. And, yeah, we haven't been in the actual Hyundai Texans Radio Studio for a while because the Final Four has taken it over. Full disclosure yeah. here, CBS TV has our studio for the visit of the Final Four teams as – they're doing interviews from there and stuff. So we've been uh, kind enough to actually, we were forced to uh, let them use it long story, but it's no, it's good stuff as uh, it's a great showcase for the city, as you know, my friend, but we'll be back in studio soon enough. Okay. So what's in there? What's in our studio right now? Because I remember in 2016, when I took over our radio studio, mm -hmm. they gave it to the mascots. So what's in our studio? Yeah. What's in our studio this time? More than that. Okay. okay. It's, right. it's an actual useful thing. Uh, the good thing is it forced us to clean up the studio. Now I know how you are, Johnny, <laughs> you with your OCD. And it's, yes. I always, I think I've said this on the air before. It's like the germaphobe, germaphobe episode on Seinfeld. That woman who's like, can't stand to be around Elaine. Yes. Uh, and and you're you're in the studio like this place is not exactly <laughs> sterile, all right. It could be worse. Yeah, right? It's yeah, kind of yeah. like the swamp on Mash, you know, the studio. A lot of people use it and that kind of thing. Anyway, it forced us to uh, really clean it out. They're doing interviews from there. They have a little chair, and so I think they bring in a coach or a player from time to time, whatever. Right. They're doing the setups. Uh, so when they cut to and it was a long journey to get here. And you'll have Jim Laranega saying it was a long journey to get here. And they'll just do it for that kind of stuff that you'll see on the CBS broadcast. By the Speak way, my friend, happy birthday, oh, Johnny. I'm not going to sing. Much. I'm going to spare everybody that, but happy birthday. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, the big 5-1 today. You mentioned Laranega. You used to be the voice of the Hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And... They are now in the final four and they've had a tremendous run. I, there's a part of me that wishes they would play FAU because you get the South Florida angle or they're mm. playing San Diego state because that would be a contrast in styles. Instead, they get probably the hottest team in the tournament in UConn, but just in particular, Miami playing in a final four. This was a program for, for people. This goes back a ways. They yeah. had Rick Barry back in the sixties and he's one of the great players, hall of fame player, but then their program was dormant. They didn't have a program. Uh, in right. the 70s and about halfway through the 80s. So as you know, college basketball is really picking up, there's no basketball program at the University of Miami. Now, obviously, it's almost 40 years later, but the fact that Miami is playing in a Final Four and it's taking place in Houston, A, what does it mean to you having called all those games and spending the time that you did down at Coral Gables? And what do you think it means to the people of Miami that they're playing in a basketball Final Four? Uh, I don't know if it means enough to them, honestly, Johnny. When I was there, uh, we were pretty good in the Big East, right? Won a share of the Big East regular season title in 99-2000. And we'd have trouble drawing people. Playing at Miami Arena, there'd be 2,000 people there. But it was a noon Saturday tip-off sometimes. You'd be playing Syracuse, and it was hard to get people to come to the building. Yeah. Now they have the on-campus building. That's a lot better. ACC, okay, I get it. You have more brand names. Although the Big East brand, I thought, was pretty good for South Florida because – 
because you have so many transplanted New Yorkers. But you're right. They were dormant. Leonard Hamilton was the first coach back in, and they were very patient with him as he built up the program. When I was there, they went to a Sweet 16. They got pretty good. Perry Clark came in, went to another tournament. I left. They went downhill because I left. Yeah. Now, it was uh, it was a long road back. They couldn't get the coaching right. They got Larinaga, and they're, they've been very patient with him. Now, the expectation there is not Final Fours. It's make the tournament every couple of years, that kind of thing. I'm just being honest here. Yeah. So this is phenomenal for them. And it's funny with me personally, not to make it about me, Johnny, but you know how I am. <laughs> I was at Central Michigan in the early 90s as the voice of the Chippewas, and Larinaga was the head coach at Bowling Green then. And he had oh, Antonio wow. Daniels, who for a while was a yeah, yeah, host yeah. on one of our affiliates in San Antonio. Uh, but he had some good players, and there were some decent players in the MAC back then. But Larinaga's been around a long time, and he deserves this. I'm very happy for him after doing what he did with George Mason. And we had Diana Rossini on the air earlier this week from ESPN, and she played soccer at George Mason when Larinaga was there. And so a lot. It's been a fun week talking about all this stuff, and it's just great for Houston to have that great showcase here. Yeah, San Diego State taking on FAU, and then you got the U, the University of Miami taking on. UConn, I think that could be a tremendous game. I, it's hard to see anybody beating UConn, but if anybody's going to do it, that Miami squad, uh, and they've got different ways to beat you. And oh, by the way, I God, what's his first name? It's an it's a unique first name. I think it's Noomchad Omer, number fifteen. Mm. I want Nick Casario to go in after Miami season is over, and I want him to just kidnap him and turn him into a super stud tight end because this dude is built just like a tight end. He plays like he's a football player on the court. He's the X factor for Miami's basketball team. Number 15, Omer. Check him out. He is Mo Alley Cox plus because Mo Alley Cox played in the final four for VCU in Houston many years ago. Now he's the Colts tight end. I want Nick to go in and steal um, and kidnap Omer and bring him with, I don't know what his NBA prospects are. I have no idea, but I do know, that guy could turn it into one heck of a tight end. He's never played football. I, lo I looked it up when I was watching him play. I looked it up. Uh, I was like, football? No. Every other sport but football. He's done everything. Tennis, swimming, basketball, soccer. He's done everything. Never played football. He could be, be a whale of a tight end um, for the Texas. So I want Nick to get in there and do something about that. You know, we see this, it feels like all the time, where you convert a basketball player into a football player at that position yeah. because of the height, size, all of that. And if a guy hasn't played football, Johnny, I got to think the first time or first few times or maybe forever when you're tackled, it's yeah. got to be a revelation, right? Because, yeah, basketball is a physical sport. In many ways, it's a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. So that adjustment, they got to be able to make that in order to do their thing. And it's one thing to be athletic enough to catch passes over the middle, but you got to take the punishment. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, it's different. And it would take a little bit. And sometimes you got to think outside the box a little bit with those. But I'm telling you, every time I watch a basketball game, I'm looking at, okay, could that guy play corner? Well, he's got really good feet. Could that guy play tight end? But if you've not played before, then obviously it takes a little bit. Antonio Gates was a guy that actually played before. He right. played football before, and then he went to Kent State, didn't play. So him going back to it was, you know, and of course, LeBron James played a lot of football um, when he was growing up. In mm. fact, he gave it up after his junior year. And there were some people that thought he could go play anywhere he wanted to as a football player. So there's definitely a crossover. So check him out. 15 Omer. He's built like a tight end that could play in this league. Uh, there's no question about that. Okay, Mark, I want to, I want to hit this and get your thoughts on this because 
I heard Sean and Seth discussing this a little bit. D'Amico, I think, was on NFL Network, and he was talking about uh, and made a comment something to the extent of there are two quarterbacks in this draft that we think are at that kind of tier one level. It's what I've been saying since May, basically. There's C.J. Stroud, there's Bryce Young, there's Bryce Young, and there's C.J. Stroud. Now, he didn't say those names. He just said there are two quarterbacks. I would be shocked mm-hmm. if he thought Levis or Richardson were in that mix, but whatever. It's probably those two. So I want to get your thoughts on something that Bruce Feldman did. Bruce Feldman did a mock draft. Now, if you know Bruce Feldman, covers college football for the athletic. Mm-hmm. So he's not a draft guy, but he knows college football and he knows coaches. And so he did a mock draft. But then what he did was he went out and he interviewed coaches that have gone against these particular players for everybody in his mock draft. And so in his mock draft, he's got the Carolina Panthers taking C.J. Stroud. He's got the Houston Texans taking Bryce Young, which uh, is not really too much of a shock. But I thought what was interesting, Mark, were the quotes that came from the coaches about these particular players. So this is what he said about C.J. Stroud. What he didn't say, this is what a coach told him, and I quote. Anonymously? Anonymously. I love it. And I quote, he's the most accurate quarterback I've ever played against. It's like he couldn't have handed the ball to his receivers any better, and they're 30, 40 yards downfield. He's got high-level NFL accuracy and NFL vision. I think he understands the game so well and gets it out under three seconds. He has very high football IQ. I mean, look, a lot of times with college coaches, they kind of get on their their high horse. Oh, yeah, that guy could play in the NFL. That guy could. Well, they spend all their time in college. Sometimes they don't always look at it uh, the right, proper way. The NFL sees it maybe a little differently. But there's some things that ring absolutely true in that statement. When I read you that quote about C.J. Stroud, what were you thinking? I was thinking of the Georgia game because that's what he showed in that performance, right? So often you see Ohio State, they're blowing people out or guys are running wide open. The pocket is totally clean. You can drive a truck back there and not worry about getting touched. But the Georgia game was a real-life NFL-style college football game. In that, you had NFL players on the field on the other side. You know these guys are going to play in the league, a lot of them. And it was a good measuring stick for what C.J. Stroud could possibly do at the next level. So that's the game that came to mind when you read that quote from the anonymous source that Bruce Feldman referenced. And I love this anonymous stuff. It reminds me of those Sports Illustrated's a scout's take. Yes. I used to love those. I love those. Particular athletes or teams because it was anonymous and it was honest and people love something that's real like that. Uh, I think some people are going to find that surprising maybe about Stroud. And maybe this is a coach who it could be, you know, it could be a coach. It could be a, a member of the Georgia coaching staff, but it could be a big 10 coach who got blown out by Ohio state. We don't know. Uh, the fact is, All of these guys show promise. Obviously, Stroud and Young show more than the others, at least on paper or on the tape in the college ranks. But you got to be able to do it at the next level. But that was a ringing endorsement for Stroud, and the Panthers have to love that. Go ahead and take him. We'll take Young. Yeah. Did I say that Uh, out loud? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to read you a couple more. And I want you to keep in mind the class of 2021 included former Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields and Clemson quarterback 
or a Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. So here's two of yes. them. I'll read you one in the next. Quote, he's so accurate and so calm. I wasn't sure about the previous guy's ability to read coverage, and he's referring to Justin Fields, but I know CJ can. He has such a good ability to process, and his anticipation is so good. He runs better than you think. He's the complete package. Another coach said his accuracy accuracy downfield is really special. He's bigger than you think and faster and harder to sack than people realize. Wait for this one. I thought he's better than Trevor Lawrence. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, what do you think of that, Johnny? Yeah. I'm going to throw that one back to you. I'll hit that right back over the net to you yeah. because you're a big Trevor Lawrence guy, and you were as he was coming out of Clemson. Yeah, I don't know if I'm uh, – I would – I wouldn't have them far apart, but I still would have Trevor ahead. I think Trevor – I think Trevor's got a little bit more RPMs on the ball. I think he's a little bit bigger, and I think he's a better overall runner when you need it. CJ is not slow and he will scramble. He proved that in the, in the Georgia game for sure. But I thought both of those statements were, were pretty dead on. I don't, I wouldn't say he's better than Lawrence, um, but I can, I can see the comparison. Um, there's, there's no question. There's a long quote um, after that. He said, I thought he's better than Lawrence. He's such a pure passer can make all the throws. He does really unique stuff. He talks about some of the throws he made against Michigan. And he talked about some of the throws against Georgia. Um, I thought that was really good. All right, let's go to Bryce. All right, because, wait, based on what you just said or those anonymous coaches who C.J. Stroud has faced in college, mm-hmm. that just solidifies my belief that the Panthers did what they did to yep. take him. But go so, on, read read me one about Young. Let me hear yeah. this. So he's got Bryce going to the Houston Texans, of course. So here's the first coach. I'm a big believer in Bryce. Been watching him forever. I was really impressed, especially with his intelligence and his decision making. He's emotionally mature and really accurate. We heard when Bill O'Brien got there, Bryce ended up teaching him the early stages of their offense, sort of Mac Jones. My only concern is that he's little. At some point, one of these gigantic interior guys is going to land on him, and you'll be scared he's not going to get up. His size scares me because against us, he really didn't escape. We ran him down three or four times. We've got some good athletes, but those are the athletes that you're trying to run away from at that level. Those are, those are concerns that we've heard about Bryce, but there was only one game that he missed in his career. And keep in mind, Anthony Richardson missed multiple games because of a dancing incident. So just <laughs> dancing incident. Yeah. Uh, keep all that. Okay. Here's another quote. Okay. Anonymous coach says this about Bryce Young. I don't think people give him enough credit for his feet. He doesn't look like he's running real fast, but he is. He's so damn accurate on the move. I was really impressed with how well he understands where to go with the ball. If you gave him any tip or tell of what you were doing pressure-wise, if you do, he'd kill you. In our game, there's no way he knew it was coming. Our safety wasn't even off the hash. There was nothing to tip him off, nothing that said throw it out there. We hit pretty hard eight or nine times. I thought he did a really good job of handling that. He slid protection really well. I zero blitzed him, zeroed him a bunch, meaning he blitzed him with man coverage. Thinking, bleep it. Let's hit this quarterback as many times as I can. But he did such a great job of seeing it at the snap, especially for being such a young guy in terms of snaps played. That's the quote where I went, whoa, yeah, I like him. Yeah, well, look, you said it. You painted the picture once when the Texans were putting together these acquisitions at the start of free agency, and you said – 
How does the starting lineup sound with these guys? When you look at the backfield with the one-two punch of Pierce and Singletary and Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, all of that stuff with Bryce Young starting, right? How is that going to look here? You know, you've got Dalton Schultz at tight end. You've got a, a squad now that can do some things a lot more than they've been able to do in recent years. And that's a really positive thing. But look, the size is always going to be a concern. The brain is there. I do get concerned when I hear that zero blitz stuff. I mean, in college, that's one thing. In the NFL, I always feel like with a smaller quarterback, don't you want to overwhelm the line of scrimmage? Because is he going to be able to see out of that collapsing pocket? Is he going to be able to escape? You know, if it's Kyler Murray, somebody like that, they tend to escape because they're so quick. But Young's pretty quick, too. Can he get outside? The thing I like about Young in this offense, possibly, Johnny, is that, you know, too often we think about what the Texans were in 2021 and 2022. This team is going to be totally different. Bobby Slowick coached this offense. I mean, they're putting in a whole new system here. That's why, you know, they're reporting soon enough. They get the early report time because of the new coaching staff. They're going to take advantage of the OTAs as much as possible because the O-line has to play differently. Everybody has to play differently in the new system. And if you insert Young into that, I kind of like your chances of making dramatic improvement on that side of the football. But the question is, when you're going to invest the number two pick in the draft at a quarterback, is he going to be able to last five to 10 years minimum in your offense? And that's the decision they have to make. You know, I've been reading about these quarterbacks too much. I didn't finish. I didn't finish going through the rest of the mock. I was like, oh, who does Bruce Feldman from The Athletic have the Texas taking at 12? He's got a trade actually with the New York Giants. And he has us moving down to number 25. Now, I think we'll trade down. That might be a little bit much. 25? Who does he have the Giants jumping up to pick? Christian Gonzalez, the corner, which they need corner. So I could see that for sure. But Mm. at 25, he has the Texans taking Quentin Johnston. And this is what Mm. the coaching intel says on him. He's big, and he can really take the top off the defense. Long strider at straight line speed. Doesn't necessarily get out of his brakes that well. He'll jump over guys to get it, but he has inconsistent hands. A Calvin Johnson type of the Big 12, so big, so much length, and so fast. What are you supposed to do with him? Press him? You better have somebody over the top if they don't get him. I thought he was okay. Our DBs are really soft and don't like challenging wide receivers. He definitely has playmaking abilities, but he's not polished. I so, love that. Yeah. Our DBs are really soft. <laughs> An anonymous really coach soft. says that. Yeah. So I love these anonymous, uh, these anonymous quotes uh, because what's anonymous? I mean, you're getting kind of the, the real deal on CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and of course, Quentin Johnson, who Bruce has the Texans trade down to 25 to get. So if they move down to 25, they're getting a decent haul in that trade. They are, but they're missing out on a lot of good players in between two and 25. But Johnny, tell me about the Colts real quick, because I'm dying of curiosity here as they have the fourth pick in this draft. Okay. He has at number four, the Colts taking exactly who you thought. Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. First coach says six years ago, this guy would have been crushed because of the completion percentage. But Josh Allen is the comp for me. (laughs) Heard that before. Um, that that's tough. Yeah. Okay. Talent wise, okay. there isn't anybody better when he's got yeah. his knees bent mechanics wise. He's really good. But when he gets straight leg at the top of his drop, he becomes inaccurate. Yes. Um, here's another one. I like Richardson more than Levis. There have been mm. only three players in my college career, coaching career that I was hoping did not play that day. We faced them Deshaun Jackson, Tavon Austin, and Anthony Richardson. Whoa. He's that different. 
He's that different, huh? Yeah. Look, did you that? see the Dan Orlovsky video on him? I did. When Orlovsky gushes and I freezing cold I, takes is keeping that, that like, one. They are just holding on to that one. <laughs> I don't trust me. I that listen, if if you like a guy, that's great. But and 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 this gets it gets troubling when you post just one video because anybody can look good on one day, one play, one time. It can exactly. happen. But what you cannot do is take that one play and then extrapolate that and say, oh, he's great for all this. Because I've seen Anthony Richardson play, I think, Mark, eight games from last year. Mm. And I have ridden the wave every time I watch. So there's no way that you could be totally and completely all in and not at least address the issues on the other side. As if to say, look at this one play. This one play tells you everything. I, I got frustrated with that. And look, you could support a guy and think he's going to be this guy. And this is the reason why. But you at least have to address the concerns of why he has not been successful. I don't think, I don't think Dan in particular has done that. And there are some others that don't do that. I, you know, even Bryce and CJ that I love, I've both pointed out for both of them where I think there could be some issues. So we'll see. Speaking of draft what's happening going forward with the draft drew doherty and i are in the lab next right here on texans all access what's up everybody welcome back to this friday edition of texans all access i'm your host john harris football analyst sideline reporter i got this text from mark today who asked me this question um from a fan as he put it he said can you can you please talk about or address tonight on all access where Houston Texans diehard fanatics like myself can go to download or obtain a 2023 NFL draft conversion chart detailing the points values per draft pick. I ask because people keep dismissing the Jimmy Johnson draft pick value points chart. So he is asking, or she is asking Mark and I where you can go download that. The one that I use is at draft tech, D like draft and then EK. I think that's what it is because that's how it's in my um, internet browser. I just start, DRA and it knows what to do after that. So I think it's Draft Tech. And that's the one I use. Yeah, Draft, Draft, T-E-K. And it'll come up with the draft value chart. That's that's what I use. And I think a lot of teams still use it. Now, they've got a couple of versions of it. But that's the one I just use for quick math. So Draft, T-E-K, get the draft value chart. And then I-T-L, that's in the lab. It's time for Drew Doherty and I in the lab now. I just finally got my voice back. Yeah, it's okay. And I've also been traveling, too, because I've been out at Pro Days. Uh, I went to Baylor on Monday, went to a on Tuesday. And I was thinking about going to TCU today. And I've never been to TCU in, in any way, shape, or form. I've never seen a game there. Uh, I've never been to campus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's a long way. And then I got to do live radio. I'm not going to make it back. And I just figured, you know what? I got to do live radio, so I'll just I'll pass on. Although TCU would have been the better of, the, of any of them to go to. Yeah. To see Quentin Johnston, to see Max Duggan throw, see Duggan throw to Max Quentin Johnston. They've got some DBs. Uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson is a tremendous Avila. player. Avila at guard or center. And that's mm-hmm. interesting because he took some reps at the senior bowl at center. There's been a lot of talk about him potentially going to center. Mm. And I don't know if there's a team that you and I both know that might need some help on the interior. It's 
center. I don't know. So I know my the, bees that I coach the baseball team. They're they're good at center. We don't have a center yeah, on our yeah. team, but I, I, yeah. I don't think we need one either. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, something to think about, of course. But true, there there would have been there would have been some players to see at TCU for sure. But that that drive and then I just I couldn't do it, and I didn't want to pass on live radio tonight uh, on Thursday night because Mark will be back um, from the annual meetings, mm-hmm. aka the owners' meetings. And yep. so I was like, Alec considered, you know, you being sick, me on the road. Yep. Figured this is the best day to do it on Thursday. So it's all good, man. Hope you're feeling well, though. You sound okay. So I that's do. good. That's a good step. Yeah, I think it's all the pollen. You know, the two pecan trees in my oh, backyard yeah. are sprouting their leaves. And I think it's just like yeah. that. And then I was – so I'm the head coach, uh, you know, pulling back the curtain here. I'm the head coach right. – of my first grader Oliver's uh, baseball team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I coach third base. And so I'm yelling, not yelling at the kids, but yelling to the kids, encouraging. Right. I right. think I'm a positive influence. Uh, yes. And so I lost my voice after that game. It was totally yeah. gone. And then the day after I was squeaking like, you know, Peter Brady uh, from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> so I, I just had to, I had to shut it down. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm man, glad you brought up pro days because yeah. You have been to a lot of them over the years. I've been to a few, and we've been together to a few over the years, and they just aren't like they used to be. But really, John, they're not as important, probably, as people make them out to be. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. I think they're – absolutely, and and I've become even more so. And I I don't know, it just kind of coincided with everything that was going on with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, and of course, Anthony Richardson will throw on Friday. Today or Friday, I can't remember what day it is. Uh, and that shows you. I, there's just, you know, there's certain things you can see at a pro day, and there's just certain things you're not going to see. And I, I'll be honest, the, the scouts go there, and I think they feel the need to go there because they don't want to miss something. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they already know what they're looking at. They already know what they're seeing. They've been in that campus probably three times in the fall, especially if it's a Baylor A&M like I went to. They've been to that campus. They've talked to the coaches. They've talked to the strength staff. They've talked to the medical staff. They've talked to all those people. They know what to expect. They're going to be shocked if something is not, um, you know, is, is out of whack a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, people say, well, you know, general managers don't get to do that. Yeah, Nick Nick travels. T- take Nick, for instance. Nick travels a lot and travels to a lot of games. Nick does a lot of scouts work during the year. I mean, he he sees these guys live a lot. Now, he doesn't do all the scouts work, but that's what he relies on the scouts for. And when it comes to a quarterback's pro day, that's even more, okay, great. He threw the ball against air fantastically. Yay. All right. Don't care because yeah. – that's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things how he throws it on air. Yeah, you can see the you know the ball velocity and things like that, but these guys have, they go through a script. They go through they practice the script day after day after day after day. And we know football of anything, especially if the quarterback position, is not how you respond to the script of the fifteen plays, but how you respond to the way the defense is adapting to you and your script. So. Yeah, it's fun to watch guys throw the football. And I, I love Pro Day because of that. I love because it's a it's a football environment. All the scouts are there. You know, it's fun to just kind of be there. Yeah. But that's it. As yeah. far as the information you get from that, it's limited. Limited. I will say, I will admit, there are there's the the one or two guys every year and maybe you know, combined four or five schools 
that has that opportunity where you're, you know, he's, he's intriguing as all get out. And then one of the tests pops for you. And I'll right. give you a great example of that. Colin Gillespie. Mm-hmm. When I went to AM Pro Day and whatever, uh, Colin was coming out, I think 19. I was standing back behind the way they had it set up. I was standing back behind a barrier. And it was just to the left of the 40 yard dash. And I was back there talking to Billy Lucci, um, who uh, runs Texags basically. Right. And Lucci and I go way back and we're talking and we're just kind of chatting. And, and Colin gets up there and he runs his 40. And he gets done with it. We're like right mid conversation. I kind of nudge Billy. I'm like, that's really good. I don't know what he ran, but that's pretty good. And so then all of a sudden it started kind of filtering back to us. They ran in the four five range. And I was like, Billy, that's going to get him drafted. Like, whoa, I didn't think he had that juice. Um, and then he did it again. He ran, I think, like a four five one, a four five two at 230 pounds or whatever he was. Those are the kind of players where, you know, that that's pro day for you. That's, you know, the one guy that you maybe think is athletic, but you don't think he's that fast. Mm-hmm. It's probably one or two amongst probably four or five schools every year that you have one of those guys. Yeah, yeah you watched him. You study him. He does some things. Maybe he's a guy that plays a couple of positions, doesn't really have a position, does a few different things, does some things with special teams. But you're just not totally sure because you just don't have enough on him. Um, you don't know how the team is going to use him, but you know your team could use him. And so those are the kind of guys that it's fun for. AM had five guys at this pro day. It was weird. It's such a young team. And Baylor had a, a bunch of guys, but really – I don't think anybody that's going to end up being drafted minus a couple of guys that had already worked out at the combine. So mm-hmm. it was just one of those years where it just wasn't loaded with those kind of guys. Hey, uh, let me, now, Hey, let me, let me ask you this. Sorry to interrupt, but you always see NFL scouts at these things. And sometimes you see Canadian football league scouts yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you seeing some of that? And then yes. on top of that, are you seeing any XFL, USFL scouts? Do they even have that sort of representation? What, what's, what's going on with that? I, I don't recall seeing any XFL, USFL. Mm-hmm. I don't recall. But I do remember seeing, and I can't remember which one. It may have been at both. I did see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at one right. of them. At yeah, they're always, there's always one or two. Yes. At, and at, at, at the Senior Bowl. Absolutely. Pro Days. There's always at least one, two, sometimes more. Canadian football and I always find that fascinating they're they're working every angle you know they're not there at South Carolina in 2014 thinking that they're going to get Jadeveon Clowney but they might pluck some of these guys that are absolutely. fringe draftable guys you know absolutely and and I think Baylor and AM would have been good ones for them to be at yeah. and, and I do remember seeing Winnipeg now because of the the resource availability I don't know what it is for the CFL but they may have you know how we have like a pool reporter at the Super right. Bowl where there's one reporter that goes in and asks the questions of the uh, coach yeah, or yeah. whatever. And then that guy. Like a pool scout. Woman, yeah. Right. It's like a pool scout yeah. where he or she goes in, gets all the information, and shares it with the rest of the CFL. Could be that. But I have seen the CF- CFL. Now, I don't recall seeing XFL, USFL. I don't, I don't recall. So I don't know okay. how they go about you know, doing that. It would be wise for them to do it. And, again, to have maybe a pool scout, you know, one – hey – one scout that, you know, kind of covers the area that is going to hit all of them and then share it with all the different teams. Um, they're already kind of sharing resources in those leagues anyway. So, I mean, I think that would be a wise way to do it. The one thing about the CFL, too, is I've noticed one of the things I started doing, Drew, is I, in my, in my draft database where I keep everything on my notes, everything, I've started putting where these players are from, mm-hmm. high school, 
Um, because sometimes when I put their high school, I go find their high school, I'm like, oh, I've seen this guy. Or, you know, like a lot of, I used, I watch a lot of Modern Day. So that's why I've watched Bryce Young forever. Um, because there was a time Modern Day was one and St. John Bosco was two in the country and they were bad. They had great games. And so right. you can get, you can get their kind of highlight version games on YouTube. And so you would see guys, I would see guys, Eli Ricks, Matt Alabama, um, Bryce Young. Then Masefuna is a guy that's at Oregon. He's a 2024 candidate. But you would see these guys, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's from modern day. Or you see a guy from Texas, like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I did not realize Jackson Smith and Jigba was from Texas until I, until I kind of put his information in the database. So I started doing that. What I have found is that there are a number of players from Canada hmm. that are in my database. Uh, Tavius Robinson from out of Ole Miss. The two Browns, uh, Sydney and Chase from out of Illinois. They're from hmm. Canada. And there are a few others as well that are from Canada. And if you're in the CFL and you're making your draft, there are rules on how many stateside players you can have versus how many right. Canadians you can have or a Canadian connection. And mm -hmm. so those players have a little bit of a leg up in the CFL as well. And the CFL knows it has a leg up on those players too. But it feels like we're getting more and more players that are coming from Canada down here to the States to play college football. And that's going to, I think, in the end, those guys can play. Now, the Browns and Robinson, they'll all be in the NFL. But at some point, if things don't go well, they can go to the CFL. Um, and it helps a CFL team because they're Canadian. They're of Canadian descent. Yeah. So that helps them in the long run. It's always fascinated me. And I, I think you're probably in the same boat, too. But, you know, growing up in Houston, Warren Moon came from the CFL. Yep. I, when I was a, a little guy, Doug Flutie won the Heisman. Yeah. Made... You know, he's like, what, the greatest CFL player of all time, probably, Doug Flutie? Yeah. 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 He was over there. And then when I was in Lubbock, 05 to 09, in 05, Plainview High School had this phenomenal team. They went, I think, three rounds deep in the playoffs, and they had a player named Jamar Wall. He yeah, yeah. was a running back. He was a defensive back. He returned yeah. punts. I think he punted. I mean, he just did it all. He was a phenomenal player, and I went to his – Signing, he signed with Texas Tech. He played immediately in 06, yep. 07, 08. He was a kickoff returner. And then uh, he got, I don't know if he got drafted or not, but he started with the Cowboys, got let go. But he was here with the Texans, I think, for a game or two in 2010. So, like, I saw him play in high school, in college, and with the Texans, which is the only guy that I, that's ever happened with. Yeah. It was, just, it was just weird. But he wound up going on to – the CFL, he might still be playing in the CFL. Um, he might have just retired too, but I don't know. Anyways, the CFL basically, it's always fascinated me, and it's always fascinated me seeing their representation at these, you know, evaluations, at yep. these pro days, at these senior bowls, and you know, that's just one of those fun. And then you got Danny Barrett; he's a running backs coach here for yeah. the Texans, and has been, you know, here for a while. But he's one of the best CFL players ever. He was a coach in the CFL, so. There's all sorts of little mini connections that we, you and I both have with that league. And I, I, I find it fascinating. I, used to, I was listening to this podcast last summer, last summer, I think it was, it was Sean McVay and Peter Schrager. Mm -hmm. They would have various, um, you know, coaches from throughout the league mm -hmm. and they had Zach Taylor on, I think it was that. Yeah. It was Zach Taylor. Uh, and he had played in Nebraska and he was telling stories about playing in the CFL. And mm. it was just, it was fascinating. I mean, you'd be surprised. Remember Devere Posey, Devere Posey. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Texans in, and he's one of the better receivers CFL has had. So it gives great cup MVP. Yep. It gives guys an opportunity to continue to play and, you know, make some money doing it. And 
you know, the Canadian game is, is so different. But here's the other thing. Yeah, they're at pro days. You know, these scouts are at pro days. They're also at our training camp. Yep. They, they come to our training camp. I, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times the formerly known as the Eskimos, now the sure. Elks. Um, I've seen their scouts with that double E on their hat a bunch. Yep. Winnipeg's been there. I've seen Ottawa. So they come to our training camp because they're looking for players that might end up not making the roster that they can make a play on and bring to their st- – and at that time, training camp time, they're getting near their playoffs. Yeah. Um, or near the end of the season, the playoffs. So they're they're always on top of it. And I just think the more – you know, as some you know, some people say, well, you know, why do you have these leagues? Because, look, you might get one, two, maybe even three guys um, to come out of those leagues that end up making a career out of it. I mean, you think of the World League. I mean, I mean, shoot, Kurt Warner was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, playing in Amsterdam and ends up being a Hall of Famer. You know, the, those leagues produce a player or two that you don't see coming that gets an opportunity for whatever reason and makes the most of it. And sometimes I'm all that's for it. all it is. It's I love it. I got, I'm on a group text with my high school, some of my high school friends. And one of them, one of them was bashing the USFL a few weeks back. I was like, why are you hating? Who cares, yeah. man? Like, right. to, there's your point, John, that you just made. Like, you might get a few players that wind up making it. But you know what? They have guys like you, guys like me, coaches, other players who are getting to work in sports and getting to you know chase a dream as opposed to just doing a nine to five job that they might yep. might have to do where they're not doing this. So I'm I'm right. all for that because, you know, it's somebody getting to work in sports and do something fun and, and you know, make a living for a, a little bit, maybe longer uh, in, in something that they love. So I'm I'm all for it. I support it. More leagues, the better. Let's go get them you know got it absolutely and bring all the scouts man absolutely i i here here was the pro day i I mean i love i was getting out of town for a little bit so i I love that and of course you make the drive and you know down to you know up to waco and the college station and it's just you know as they like to say it's god's country and it's just a really it's a really pretty drive so i like doing that um and getting out of dodge for a little bit but you know how it is at pro day once you go to a place you want, you know, you're done. You're like, man, it gets done like one thirty, two o'clock. You're like, man, I'm starving. All right, we're, yeah. we're in Waco. Let's go check. Let's get some barbecue, man. And you I know this is going. This, this makes me sad. This I mean, makes me really sad. Man, we've gone and gotten the gut pack from Vitex, and we sit. It's just, it's a blast because everybody from the pro days in there. It's just, it's really cool. You see a lot of scouts in there. So I know I'm on my own, but I'm like, I got to get some some BBQ. So I go to where I know VTEX is. It's on the way. Because the the pro day was not at Baylor. They were doing construction, same as A&M. They were doing construction. So it was actually a Waco midway high. Um, oh. And Jackson Player, who's a defensive tackle for Baylor, that like, apparently they were kidding him. Like, oh, dude, you got a home field advantage because that's where he played in high school. And this is a high <laughs> school with an indoor 100-yard field. It's amazing. Anyways. Wow. So it's actually on my way back. And I drive by VTEX. I'm like, man, there's nobody here what the heck and i go and i look it's permanently closed not getting renovated not getting renovated permanently closed it must have moved i don't know but it was permanently closed listen i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna keep it 100 on this one when we go on trips the eating is the one of the best parts and there's no vtex gut pack i'm just I'm gutted. I'm absolutely gutted. But I'm not gutted when it comes to DP City because she has been catching up with writers on all of these great first-round potential draft picks for the Texans. We'll hit DP City and that potential Texan next right here on Texans All Access.
We are one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, Sean Harris. Let's dive right in to our DP Center Deep Slant with Alex Turry covers the Clemson Tigers and Miles Murphy. DP, take it away. Plenty of recent mock drafts have the Houston Texans selecting Clemson defensive and Miles Murphy with the number 12 overall pick. So what do you think makes Murphy such a good fit for the Houston Texans? For me, discussing Murphy has been a big, I don't understand why some people have him falling as far as they do. If you look at Trayvon Walker last year, I never would have imagined going into that process that he'd be the number one pick in that draft. And when I look at Murphy and I look at Walker, you have the same type of player there. And I think Murphy's ceiling is even higher. You have a really talented, fast, athletic prospect. Yeah, he's a little raw, but you've got someone that's going to, if you have the right coaching staff, be a like a franchise changer in a way. He could be a cornerstone to a defense. So when discussing Murphy, I just I, I think people tend to not understand how big of a thing athleticism has become for these coaching staffs in the NFL now especially with the Texans. I know they, they typically will run that three, four. If, if you need to bounce him inside, you can bounce him inside and run him out of the tackle position if needed. He's 6'5", 275. He hasn't had his pro day yet. I think he's been doing it April 4th, but he's possibly 4'6 speed at defensive end, 4'5", 4'6 speed. So I, I just think that a guy like Murphy is a tough guy to assess if you're looking just based off of the player as a whole, what you've seen out of him, because it's about potential with Murphy. It's about what you can see it in the future with him. And guys like that, they're just, I mean, how, how many edge rushers run four, five, four, six off the edge? Like it's, it's rare. And how many of those edge rushers can you push inside if you need to run that three, four? It's a, he's a unique player, very unique player. Yeah. I know he wasn't able to perform at the combine, but he did speak at the combine and he said his greatest asset he thinks for NFL teams is going to be his versatility along with the power and the speed. So he talked about from three technique to nine technique that how he can play it all. Uh, where do you think he might fit in the best? Yeah. So if you have him inside, um, this is the biggest thing I said about Murphy, just hands down going into this draft. If he passes, I like I, I've mentioned before, if he passes number 12, I would be shocked because I think with him, if you're not drafting a guy like Murphy, you're admitting that you don't trust your coaching staff to develop a player because when we're talking about going up against offensive linemen, we've seen them on the edge continuously beat people, you know, bully them with power, outrun them with speed. He's got it all. But if you want to play him on the inside, you're going to have to work with him. He's, he's great, but he has refining to do. He doesn't utilize his power as well as he could. He doesn't engage as well at the line as you would like him to just off of what I've seen through the past few years of watching him. And it's not that he can't do that stuff. It's just, stuff he doesn't do often. So I, I think he could, he could seriously take advantage of offensive guards if you have the right coaching staff instilling those pass rushing moves into him. But against run defense, it might be a little tough against the guards, but he, he's definitely an edge rusher. He's definitely going to be taking on tackles. Um, just It really is just about refining those extra pass moves, you know, because that spin move's deadly, but you can't, you're not going to get by with a spin move every single rush. You know, you'll, you'll see with like a, a good guy I like to talk about. Murphy is a lot more NFL ready than I think people realize. You look at Aiden Hutchinson from last year, and that was a big discussion. It's like Aiden Hutchinson, so NFL ready. But watching him throughout the year, he had a great year. But if you watch him play, you see all of the flaws in his game that people don't necessarily pick up on because, you know, people like to look for the highlights. People like to look at the good rather than the bad. And I think with Murphy people have tended to do the opposite in a way 
Interesting point there from Alex Turry. Appreciate him being on the show with us. All you for listening. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.